Thanks to ZocDoc for supporting the AppleBits XL. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who accept your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or video chat. Go to ZocDoc.com slash AppleBits and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. And thanks to Indeed for sponsoring the AppleBits XL as well. Attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours looking for candidates with the right skills. Start hiring now at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer good for a limited time. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. All right, everybody. Let's get to the show. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. I'm taking this on the road. I am doing this podcast from Cupertino, the home of Apple, but also the hometown of where I grew up, visiting the fam for a few days. So that's why you're getting this on a Saturday. But look, I got your back. So thanks for hanging out with us. Look, if you've never been here before, this is where we talk about all the latest news, the product reviews, all the action happening around the world of Apple, and then kind of the greater tech world as a whole. So thanks so much for joining us, and thanks for coming out. We've got Apple TV 4K 2022 edition to talk about. We've got uh, the state of Apple, as well as, yes, of course, we have some iPhone stories and some follow-ups to the iPad reviews. Plus, we are putting in five of your calls. Yes, I have been telling you all to call, and so finally you are rewarded. The phone calls, or let's call them voice memos, all you got to do to be a part of the show is record a voice memo, send it in to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z, your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about, and get into it. And like I said, we got five calls. I got five on it. Oh, that reminds me of iPhone. F- was it iPhone five on it? Yeah, iPhone five on it. That 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 was a nice music video. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support my content. So this supports the podcast, my videos. It starts at $2 per month, goes up to $5, which is like a cup of coffee, the $10, the $25, the $100 platinum Apple level. But what does it get you? Early access to my content, rewards at every level, a completely ad-free version of the show. Plus, we do kind of like fitness contests. We do a monthly live stream exclusive for the Patreon members and other things as well. So this is how you support. This is how I've been able to do this and stick around. And thank you so much for your support. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support this podcast and all my content. And my voice almost cracked when I said that. Did it crack? It might have cracked. Okay, let's get in the stories and the show and really the latest The greatest headline right now happening is the new Apple TV 4K was just released on Friday, which would be November the 4th. If you check out my YouTube channel, I did an unboxing and a full review of the Apple TV 4K. What I wanted to do is, you know, Apple, when they released it, they didn't talk about a lot of the things that made this difference. So right out of the gates, physically, it's actually smaller. This is using the A15 Bionic. It has a fanless design now. So before there were vents on the bottom. Now, I never heard the fan, but what's good about that is dust can can never get trapped in this new design. It is also 20% smaller in size because of this fanless design. It also makes it lighter, and it hasn't affected me, but there are people that are talking about how the tension of the HDMI cable that is pulling on their, uh, on their Apple TV with this new ones, because it's lighter... It tends to slide a little more, so it's something to be aware of. The big thing here, it starts at a lower price point, $129, which does get it closer to that $99, um, I guess you'd say somewhere around that $79, $99 price point, which is really competitive with a lot of the other streaming sticks and devices. I will say and continue to say the actual UI and the flow and the speed of Apple TV is still the best. Uh, but obviously it doesn't support as many streaming services and it's not an open, uh, there's not as many open APIs to allow, like for example, if I really wanted to, there could be like a Brian Tong Roku channel if you made a deal with Roku, but I'm not doing that. So you don't get as many streaming services, but you get all the key things you need. Plus obviously get access to the app store. Now in my review, I talked about the new processor. It might be, it might be, maybe I was looking for it. It might be a little snappier. 
a little faster, but there is no reason where I could tell you that and say, hey, the 2021 Apple TV 4K that you might have purchased if you own one, you 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 can't. It's not a significant enough jump where you're like, oh, I got to do this. It's so much faster. All right. If you have an earlier T- Apple TV before they went to 4K, the main reason why I did the 2020 edition, 2021 edition, if I recall, is that I believe someone's gonna call me out for being wrong on this. I feel like it was the Dolby Vision version with HDR, and now they have the 2022 model which supports not only Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos, but HDR10+. And HDR10+, uses metadata that to give your TV the best information each frame to give it the optimal picture settings, the highest dynamic range. This is exactly what Dolby Vision does, or not exactly, but basically what Dolby Vision has done for years. And Dolby Vision is the standard it's available on more set-top boxes. It's available in more TVs and more compatible. But Samsung, if I recall, the last time I checked, was the number one selling TV set in the U.S., the brand as a whole. And Samsung does not support Dolby Vision. Samsung supports HDR and now the new standard, HDR10+, Plus, which amps up its support for a higher dynamic range and up to 4,000 nits of brightness, which was four times as much as the previous HDR10. So let's just... HDR10 Plus is as equivalent to Dolby Dolby, uh, Vision as you can get without being Dolby Vision. So if you're someone like me who's invested in a nice fancy TV over the years, I want the best video quality, optimal video quality that I can get. So if you own a Samsung TV which supports HDR10+, and not every streaming service supports HDR10+. To be real with you, more streaming services obviously, obviously support Dolby Vision, but I believe I believe Amazon supports HDR10+, um, and a few others, but ultimately, it will give you the optimal chance of seeing your video the best on a Samsung TV and a few others, but really, all the other major brands, Sony, LG, TCL, they're all Dolby Vision capable. Um, and then some some have, but Samsung is not Dolby Vision. And the reason why they are not is because they have took part in being a part of the standard of HDR10 and HDR10 Plus, right? It's like they're invested in seeing that format succeed, but Dolby Vision has really become the standard uh, overall. You don't, you hear about Dolby Vision in theaters, you do not hear about HDR10 Plus in movie theaters when you go see a movie. So that's another thing. Uh, The $129 model does not have an Ethernet port. I like to stream completely on Ethernet. Gil Cabrera, our friend of the show, is here. We are both, when I'm streaming video, if I'm going to stream it, I can need that Ethernet to give me the best visual quality possible. Like, I'm that type of person, but you may not be. And overall, the image quality on your devices, even if you use the streaming app from your TV, is going to look really good. I'm just saying like, I want it to be the best possible. I mean, I've spent, I think like five or six years investing in my home theater with the sound and the visuals and the backlight and the stand. And it's like, I'm, this is my theater away from the theaters. And when people come over and be like, man, this is awesome. I'm like, it's like, yeah, that's, that's cool to hear. I mean, that sounds silly, but it's true. So Anyways, the $129 Apple TV 4K 2022, no Ethernet. It also does not have the ability to be used um, with thread support. So that allows the Apple TV to serve as a hub to talk to smart devices. The Matter platform, which is potentially opening up very soon, the target date was fall of 2022, which would be this year. And I think the last day of fall is sometime, is it like December 4th? It's either like really towards the end of November or the beginning of December. That is when we're expected and hoping to see all of a sudden Apple be compatible with you know all these different smart home devices and different brands that it just hasn't been for years thanks to this Matter standard that allows Google and Amazon and uh, SmartThings and uh, Apple to start talking to each other and just open up a whole new world. Well, you know, we're talking about from under a thousand to the tens of thousands when it comes to smart home device compatibility. So we're hoping to see that very, very soon. Uh, the other advantage of the Apple TV 4K, they have some, the new one, they have some new Siri features that I thought were actually really cool. So if you're familiar with Amazon streaming, they have a feature called X-Ray. It's Amazon, uh, is it, it's Amazon X-Ray. 
And when you can basically look up who's acting in the movie you're watching, it kind of pops up. And then you can drill down and see what movies they've been in because, you know, that's kind of fun. Especially when I moved to L.A., like I much like the Bay Area and Silicon Valley is all so techy and everyone cares about tech, tech, tech and all the inner workings because everyone's working in tech, tech, tech in L.A. The equivalent is people knowing everything from directors to producers to actors to which movies and which shows they were and which characters like it's that it's even I would argue more obsessive than uh how obsessive tech and prevalent it is in the Bay Area. LA is all about everything Hollywood, TV, movie, video you can think of. So that X-ray view is fun. On the new Apple TV, one of the Siri features allows you to say, uh, who stars in this? And then a little pop-up on top of the video you're watching over kind of in the top right-hand area shows up. You can scroll down, look at the actors. You can click on the actor and see the other movies and shows they've been on. While the audio is still playing, um, That those shows and movies take up the full screen. Then you can go back and continue watching the show. But um, it's fun. And it works not only on Apple TV Plus content, but if I'm watching a Disney Plus show and I say, who stars in this? It takes a little longer to pull up that data, but it does it exactly the same way. So it's not a reason to buy a new Apple TV 4K 2022 ver- version, but it's fun. And it's a nice little nice little bell and whistle. You also have a new feature that is coming at the end of the year. Two new features coming at the end of the year that I think are going to be really important. One of them is called QMS VRR. QMS VRR. It stands for Quick media switching, and then VRR, if you're familiar with it, with TVs, that's a variable refresh rate, and a lot of times that that is used specifically in gaming um, when it when it changes frame rates and to make it look smooth and look good. It, it's optimized for the TV. Okay, so if you talk about quick media switching, this is a new feature that is not in any TVs right now and will be coming to TVs in 2023 where sometimes, let's say you're watching a movie and it's set to 24 frames per second to have that nice look. And then when you exit out of it, it comes back to the Apple TV menu, which I believe might be running at 60 frames per second. And you get like a moment or two where the TV has to kind of switch the frame rates or understand what it's displaying. And you get a black screen for a few moments. This new quick media switching feature will prevent that second or two of black screen from happening when you transition between a streaming piece of content back to the set top box or, or you know the Apple TV and and vice versa. This happens a lot actually, and in, in a lot of TVs. So Apple is actually directly working with LG, and LG TVs will incorporate quick media switching in 2023. These are TVs that we have not seen yet, and these are TVs that are coming um, and will most likely be shown off at CES. It does not mean that other companies like Samsung and TCL and Sony will not have this feature. My hunch is they will have, it might be called something different or it'll be called something similar. And it the only thing is that Apple's announced that they are working directly with LG, at least initially for this quick media switching feature. My expectation is that it will be on all TVs moving forward, but no one has made official announcements. So it's just a subtle, but nice user experience thing. I think people that have used uh, set top boxes and when it changes between those modes you'll you'll understand what I'm talking about but quick media switching that is a new feature specific to the Apple TV 4K 2022 edition and then another feature that is coming by the end of this year according to Apple is the ability for it to if you have a family and you have up to six members it will now recognize the voice of each individual member so let's say I'm watching my Apple TV 4K and it's in my fiance's profile, which is Shauna. And I just say, you know, show me what's up next. It'll actually switch to my up next screen, Brian's up next screen. And however I have it set up in whatever shows I've been watching and movies that I've been watching, it knows that it also knows if I say, Oh, what, you know, what action movies could I watch? And when it gives you suggestions, because it detects my voice, it pulls the data from what I've seen before and basically gives me recommendations based on knowing what me as a user already enjoys and likes. So it will be able to detect the different user voices if you're using one singular TV. Again, 
kind of a nice feature to have. I don't really talk to my Apple TV that much, to be honest with you, but it has that. Uh, you're still going to have all the features that are compatible with your phone, the ability to you know really easily set up by syncing it and just like verifying on your phone. Yes, uh, this is I'm user. This is my user account. You can do the cal- color calibration in the home now. Earlier, when that was released, I believe in last year's Apple TV 4K, reports had said that for some of the higher-end TVs, it really didn't make that much of a difference when with the calibration uh, because they were already a lot of them are now these days calibrated so well straight from the factory. But it's still a nice feature to have. Uh, you also have you know you can use your phone as a keyboard, so that's all the same. You also have the ability to use up to two AirPods products to listen to the TV. So, for example, I use this all the time when Sean is sleeping. I throw on my AirPods Max, one of the only few times I do, um, and then watch program because the spatial audio on them is incredible. And then I just watch my movies that way while she's sleeping. So it, it also has that. Everything you know from the 2021 Apple TV 4K is here. And so when I think of who is this TV really for, or sorry, who is the Apple TV 4K really for it's someone who maybe recently has purchased a new tv that supports dolby vision or hdr 10 plus because there's some people that haven't really made a jump yet but 4k tvs are so much more affordable than they have ever been i mean we're talking about 65 inch tvs that you can get for under a thousand dollars now that are dolby vision 4k tvs it's it's wild um, how pricing has dropped over time which is normal with technology so if you're one of those people I think obviously getting a, I mean, honestly, getting a new Apple TV 4K from 2021 is good enough. But the main differentiator for me is that if you have a Samsung TV and you haven't had an Apple TV 4K or you really want the best, best optimal image quality, you get the new Apple TV 4K, starts at $129. Or if you're someone who just recently got a new TV and you're looking for an Apple TV experience, you know, you got the other ecosystem hooks. People say like, oh, why Why should I care? Well, if you use Apple Fitness, it's really cool. I'll tell you like to have an Apple Watch and do your fitness routine directly on the TV and it tracks all your, your metrics and your heart rate while you're doing the workouts. That is if you're someone who uses Apple Fitness Plus, you're someone who uses an Apple Watch and you're someone who's going to buy an Apple TV 4K. There is that that connection and chain. If you use it and I have and I do, it's actually pretty cool. But it doesn't, you know, I'm not saying you got to go buy it. But if you're into that, it, it might be worth it for you as well. It's kind of another another perk of being in the ecosystem. So overall, I think the Apple TV 4K 2022 edition is solid. Um, you know, it's it's an incremental improvement. I did not, did not pre-order it. And I still have not pre-ordered it. My only hunch where I think maybe I might, I could potentially use it is like if I go to a hotel when I travel, because I do travel a lot, maybe, maybe I get one for travel because it's smaller, it's lighter, but I still, again, I have not pre-ordered it yet. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how many of you think of this Apple TV 4K. And please don't get mad if it doesn't appeal to you because Apple did not give you something else to buy. Please don't be mad about that. <laughs> we actually have a call along those lines at it. That is pretty fun. So um, we'll get to that later in the show. Okay, also, just to kind of set you all up for the remainder of the year, it is November now, right? We're in Movember. We're still, to me, this is still tech peak tech season. There's still products rolling out, but all indications are that Apple will not have any type of event. And according to Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, there will be no new Mac releases for the remainder of 2022 with all the releases expected to take place in the first quarter of 2023, which means uh, I'm going to be busy most likely around like February and March. So that would include what we've expected, a new 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pros, a new M2 Mac Mini, and maybe the new powerhouse Mac Pro. All those Macs have been pushed out with their M2-based versions to be announced sometime in 2023 and those are all still for the most part incremental upgrades i mean we've seen going from the m1 to the m2 quite honestly you're getting a boost of about around a 15 percent gain in cpu performance somewhere around 
a 30% gain in GPU performance. Uh, but for most people, that is not going to make a significant difference in how you use your machine. But what could make a difference, specifically for something like the MacBook Pros and the MacBook Airs, is that Apple recently, it became public, a patent filing from Apple where if you're an old school user, you're going to love this. So what does that mean? I love this. The backlit Apple logo could be making a comeback to future MacBooks. They Apple themselves could be considering it because in a patent application, it showed like an electronic device, like a laptop or computer that has a housing, including a display and a keyboard. And the rear of the housing would be using a logo or a structure inside of it that would have a backlit kind of reflective mirror on it. And the only thing that that would be for would be as if Apple is looking to experiment and finally bring back the backlit Apple logo. I loved it. I remember being at cafes uh, and studying and seeing it lit on. I, th- I think even sometimes you'd go to like college classes and like every- you would see the logo I'm not saying it's a status. It wasn't for bragging. It just looked, let's be honest, sometimes those touches, they're just cool. So this patent filed by Apple and made public because it's been approved is out there in the wild. It doesn't mean that we're going to see them in the new MacBook Pros with the new M2 Max and M2 Pro chips. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see it in the future because Look, Apple's laptops today are getting roughly 17 to 20 hours of juice, which is phenomenal. Uh, if you've used them, I think you could, you de- you know, it's not the days of like, oh, four or five hours. Oh, crap, it's done. No. And so for me, some people may not like this, but I think that I'd be more than willing to take, like, give up an hour of battery juice <laughs> just to have that sexy backlit logo what do you think do you, are, are you on board with are you on team backlit logo or what uh let me know i told you all you can call in the show record that voice memo applebitsshow at gmail.com would you care some people are like hell no i want as much battery life as i can get and i'm like hell yeah show me the logo i want that logo it'd be so cool would it would it not be cool come on it would be cool Thanks again to ZocDoc again for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Hey, if you're a fan of it, sushi is incredible, but gas station sushi, mm, not so much. I mean, you got to find the right sushi that makes all the difference. And the same goes for finding the right doctor. So with ZocDoc, you can find the right doctor for you in your network and in your neighborhood. One that just makes you feel like you're in good hands, you're supported, and you're heard even if you're telling them about your favorite sushi spot. Now on ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun, whether you're trying to straighten your teeth, fix an achy back, get that mole checked out, mole, or anything else, ZocDoc has you covered. ZocDoc's mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. Search, find, and book doctors with a few taps. You can find and review local doctors, read verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments, and now when you walk into that doctor's office, you're all set to see someone in your network who gets you. Go to ZocDoc.com, find the doctor that is right for you, and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc when they need to find and book a quality doctor. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Go to ZocDoc.com slash AppleBits and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash AppleBits. ZocDoc.com slash AppleBits. And thanks again to Indeed for also sponsoring the podcast. Hey, when you're hiring, you're supposed to leave no stone unturned, but how do you actually do that? Well, hey, it's easy. Partner with one powerful stone turner. You need Indeed. 
Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. You can find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instamatch, assessments, and virtual interviews. If you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment that they sponsor a job. Now, one of the things that I really like about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because of their virtual interview feature. You know, you don't make your candidates jump through all these hoops and Indeed's virtual interview tool means that there's nothing to download. All you got to do is just click and talk. Now, with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed makes it easy to connect with your applicants. There's no need to install anything extra and Indeed's virtual interview tool works from your browser. Indeed saves you headaches, interview virtually with no downloads, plugins, or purchases. You can do it all in one place with Indeed. And after using Indeed's virtual interviews, most employers said it saved them days of hiring time, according to Indeed data in the U.S. And on average, applicants who scored proficient or higher in the reliability assessment were twice as likely to be on time for work, according to Indeed data in the U.S. So join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business. Look, you have to make every dollar count. And that's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in their database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash AppleBits to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need a hire? You need Indeed. Okay, let's jump back into the stories of the weekend. Apple did recently have their quarterly report, their fourth quarter of 2022 results. And let's just say, as usual, they looked outstanding for the most part. So for the full fiscal year, Apple set, again, new company records with $394.3 billion in sales that's compared to $365.8 billion in sales uh, for the quarter in 2021, the year before quarter. And then also their net income, $99.8 billion in the fourth quarter of 2022, compared to $94.7 billion in the fourth quarter, fiscal fourth quarter of 2021. So revenues and earnings numbers were records for the company. Mac. You have iPhone service and and wearables. They also set September quarter revenue records with only iPad registering a year-over-year decline. Also, for the full fiscal year in 2022, for the full full fiscal year, Apple surpassed $200 billion in iPhone revenue. This is for the first time that they've ever done that, hitting $205 billion. Services reached $78 billion. Wearables hit $41 billion, and Mac generated $40 billion. Those are all records for the company for the full fiscal year of 2022. So uh, I always love when people in my comments are saying like, oh, Apple's losing, Apple's dying, Apple's done. They just had another record year in 2022. Y'all look stupid when you say that. Do some homework. It's pretty easy. It's called it's called Google. Look it up. The iPad though, it brought in $29 billion. That's down from $32 billion for compared to the fiscal 2021 year. And we know that iPads just came out, so those numbers will carry over for at least into 2023. But it they didn't, you know, the iPad itself wasn't released so there was a little slowdown there. And also, let's be honest, we've seen what came with the new M2 iPad Pro and the new 10th gen entry-level iPad. Um, I don't foresee either of those models doing anything like gangbuster numbers. So I've got to imagine maybe the iPad line will stay roughly about the same. And let's be real, you know, what's behind that? We've talked about a lot is Apple trying to find out what they can do with this new iPad, right? I mean, is it, have they slowed down? You know, I don't want to say have they slowed down the innovation in the iPad, but what are we doing with the new iPad moving forward? Is it, it's kind of stayed pretty stagnant and you say something like, oh, the iPad, it is what it is. Well, yeah, because we've seen the past two, three, four years, the iPad is 
what it is, and Apple is deliberately choosing it to be what it is. We've also talked about on here, year over year, how Tim Cook has really leaned into Apple services, and this strategy has absolutely worked out bonkers for them. Apple services, like I said, earned a record $78 billion in their fiscal year of 2022. That is up $10 billion year over year. Um, Apple services continue to grow. In a funny way, I helped contribute to this, of course, in a very small way because I was super resistant to getting the Apple One bundle, but I started using Apple News so much. I started enjoying Apple TV Plus services, and I also enjoyed Apple Fitness individually. Uh, I don't use it all the time, but when I do, it's like super handy, especially when I'm on the road. So I decided, hey, I'm going to jump into the Apple One bundle, and uh, I am part of those $10 billion in revenue year over year. And that's also why maybe Apple's like, hey, uh, we're going to we're going to bump things up a little bit because just over the past week, Apple has increased the price of some of their services. Apple Music has gone up by a dollar per month. Apple TV Plus has gone up by two dollars per month. And also, if you've rolled in that three dollar increase, if you're looking at the Apple One plans, those plans reflect those increases in prices as well. So for example, um, the Premier, the top tier Apple One plan, which has music, TV Plus, Arcade, iCloud Plus with two terabytes of storage, News Plus, and Fitness Plus, that is now bumped up from $29.95 per month to $32.95. Um, Apple has said that the increase in Apple Music is for licensing deals and more more of the revenue going towards the artists. So they had to kind of bump that up in alongside with the changing licensing rights. They also said Apple TV Plus, they're just charging two bucks more. I think it's $4.99 on its own, which is actually a pretty, if you, it's a pretty killer deal for the content for $4.99, in my opinion. They said that because they offer just a lot more than they did when it started. They're bumping that up two more dollars. So as those prices go up, I, I don't, they've still, you know, Apple is very close to the vest about numbers of subscribers and units sold of products now. I'm really curious, like how many how many users do they have on Apple One and or even just across the board with Apple TV Plus and Music Plus or sorry and music? This is where the increases are. I wonder how much those increases will actually affect and bump up those numbers next year. I mean, I don't know, but it's got to have some impact. It's got to have some impact in some way, shape, or form. All right, let's jump over and talk a little uh, software. Just some quick things with the iPhone because their weather app now in iOS 16.2, um, they are now enhancing the weather app by adding at the bottom. Like they're, It's integrated with Apple News where below the 10-day forecast now, you'll be able to see like Apple News module that shows relevant regional news stories within the actual weather app. I know... I sound like I'm kind of interested in this. I check out the weather app almost every day, even though Shauna, my fiance, is a weather forecaster, like <laughs> like a certified person who does weather for the local news every day or five days out of the week. I still use the weather app when she's not around because I don't like to bug people. And I, I think that this will actually, <laughs> I think this actually will help me. I mean, other iPhone news, just an accessory that I think is going to be useful and pretty cool. Belkin is debuting their official MagSafe car charging mount. Okay, that may not sound that spectacular. Well, why this is important is this is the first, I'm going to do air quotes, official 15-watt MagSafe charger designed for in-use vehicles. So if you go on Amazon right now, you will see a whole bunch of MagSafe charging uh, car adapters but because they're not officially licensed uh, with Apple, they most of them do not offer you the full 15 watts uh, to give you through MagSafe. It's variable. Some may say it supports 15 watts, but it really only shoots out maybe like 5 watts or 7.5 watts. So this is called the Boost Charge for Pro Wireless Car Charger with MagSafe. It's from Belkin. It's also... 
$99. I, I feel like the Amazon ones are like 30 or 40 bucks. Uh, I'm going to check this out. The The back attachment is the type that like kind of connects to your car vent. If you have a car that actually has proper vent, you know, normal AC vents. I, I think I was in some fancy car and it didn't work. And I'm like, I think a Tesla doesn't have it actually. Yeah. <laughs> a Tesla, not my Tesla. I do not own a Tesla. Um, but, and I never have, but yeah, it doesn't work if you don't have uh, the kind of classic air vents that you would normally use, but it attaches that way. Just an accessory to keep in mind. Um, but I also wanted to start talking about some iPhone stuff because, you know, last episode we talked about USB-C, how Apple is going to obviously bend the knee to the European Union and bring USB-C to future iPhones and most likely the iPhone 15 and 15 Pro. So we talked all about that last episode, but a new report from Ming-Chi Kuo, reputable, pretty reputable, Apple leaker says that the 15 Pro will not only feature USB-C, but the new models, specifically the 15 Pros, are expected to feature solid-state buttons and three taptic engines. And what that means is that the new iPhone 15 Pros, based on this rumor report, are expected to not have any physical buttons, but instead, when you touch on the side, they will give you haptic response with Apple's taptic engine, right? So they, Apple has one engine right now, but the thing is that they'll put one on the left side, one on the right side, and there will be solid state buttons that will respond as if they were physical buttons by vibrating uh, when you touch them for volume up and down and power and whatnot. Um, that is the report. And so if true, the iPhone 15 Pro would, you know, the big changes would be USB-C, solid state buttons, and potentially, potentially a newer or some sort of new design element beyond just a larger camera bump. Uh, because the iPhone has literally looked pretty much the same for the past three generations from 12 to 13 to 14. So we'll see what happens. And then also in the new iPhone 15 models, Apple's expected to continue using Qualcomm modem chips for 2023. Bloomberg's Mark Gurman reported on this earlier. Um, now other outlets are also saying that the vast majority of modern chips for Apple devices, you know, at one time, we know that Apple has invested in trying to make modem chips for them for themselves. And we know that they bought Intel and all of their patents. And that has been something that they pursued behind the scenes so that they can create, you know, as many components and controlled experience and bring new software features with them. But um, according to the report, Apple's work on a 5G modem chip failed and Qualcomm would remain Apple's modem supplier for 2023 in this new iPhone 15 Pro lineup. Okay, let's talk really quickly two things about iPads. We had iPad reviews, but there's been some kind of um, additional follow-ups from what we talked about now. One of the features in the new M2 iPad Pro, all right, yes, there is the hover feature with the Apple Pencil. There is the faster M2 processor. Um, the screens are exactly the same, but ProRes video, if you're someone who wants to shoot ProRes video uh, with a rig or just holding up your iPad, the catch here is that it does not work on Apple's native camera app. It that, that app doesn't support the format. Now, we know on the iPhones, it supports recording ProRes video at 4K, but on the M2 iPad Pro right now, uh, and maybe the, it'll change by the time you hear this, uh, the ability to record ProRes video, which allows you to really have better color control in post-production and kind of tweak the image quality and how it looks. And also, it's a little sharper as well um, if you want to push in just slightly. But the iPad Pro, the M2 iPad Pro, requires a third-party app to take advantage of ProRes, and that would be something like Filmic Pro. But Apple's native camera app at the moment does not record ProRes video it may in a future update, but last time I checked, um, it did not. So something that still won't change your mind on whether you buy it or not, per se, um, depending on where you are in your upgrade cycle, but that's something to note. And then um, I think this is one of those things that is inside baseball, and sometimes I feel like people in the tech world get really mad about this, but they'll never buy this 
they're they aren't the target audience for this product. So the new entry, let's again air quotes, entry level tenth generation iPad, right? The one that comes in pink, blue, and yellow. The one that's four forty nine. The one that has the Apple Pencil One support that you connect with the USB uh, C cable to Lightning cable that looks like a a fun little leash that I swing around like a like a lasso. Uh, the USB C port. Compared to the latest iPad Pro and iPad Air and iPad Mini, is actually performs slower. It's limited to USB 2.0 speeds of up to 480 megabits per second for data transfer. So even though it has a USB-C port, um, it has the same transfer speeds as the ninth generation iPad with the Lightning connector. If you compare that to something like the iPad Pro models with their M1 chip, um, they're compatible with Thunderbolt 3, 3 data speeds for up to 40 gigabits per second. The current 10th generation iPad is only compatible for up to 480 megabits per second. Not 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 gigabits, megabits. So yeah, you might you might not be too happy about that. But again, I think that is a someone might be like, oh, that is crap. Uh, I think anyone buying the 10th generation iPad in most cases is not transferring massive video files for video editing to that device and needs the faster. I'm just saying there, yes, there's always some outliers, but most people that would be wanting to do that type of video editing would probably be using a lot. My voice just cracked using a larger iPad pro or even just a Mac. So something to bring up, I don't think it's going to stop people who want to buy it from buying it, but you know, there's someone's going to be throwing their arms up and be like, "Oh my gosh!" and and my question to them is, are, "Are you are you buying this? Would you even buy this? No, I wouldn't." And so, okay, just just chill out a little bit, just just chill out and relax. All right, everybody. So this is the time of the show where we are going to get to your voice calls. It is finally here, voice memos. We've built up enough. They are relevant. They are pertinent to everything that is happening around the products that have been released. Uh, I'm so excited that I'm rolling my words and not slurping or slurring them. But hey, let's start off with our good friend. I I like when he calls. I think I might even have him on the show. I'm not even kidding. Salty Jordan has a few thoughts. What up, Brian? Salty Jordan here coming at you. And I kind of want to dig on the tech community a little bit. I think I just need to stop spending time in comment sections, but the tech community just like melts my mind and I wanted to rant about it a little bit. I guess I'll start off with, I feel like the tech community is just so consumerist, which I know is an obvious statement, but it's hilarious to me when everyone has like a 2018 or 2020 iPad Pro and they're like, oh man, this M2 iPad Pro, I just can't buy it. It's like... Dude, if anything, I think Apple for once is saving me money by not doing something so incredible that I have to buy it. And also these devices are all still fantastic. Like we don't need to replace this thing every every four years. In fact, I like that I was able to keep my MacBook Pro 2013 up until like last year when the battery finally expanded. I want longevity out of my devices. I don't want to have to replace them all the time. Grant, I feel like this current iPad thing is really messy and weird. But you know what the truth of the matter is? Someone's going to walk in, see that cheap iPad with the new full screen, and be like, I want the cheapest full screen iPad, and they're going to buy it. That's what my grandparents do. That's what my parents do. That's what like people not hardcore in the tech community do. And they're going to be happy. They don't know all the weird things that we think are wrong with it. They're going to be happy. And I feel like that's perfectly fine. I don't know. I I don't see a new Apple TV 4K coming out and going, hmm, I need a reason to buy this. And also, funnily enough, I think think it was from the 2017 to last year, there was like a big gap between Apple TV refreshes and people were so mad that they hadn't refreshed it. And now they refresh it in about a little over a year and people are mad. I guess mad's the wrong word, but it's just, it's funny to me. I don't know. In theory, a tech company should be doing spec bumps every year when they get the new processors out. And that doesn't mean that there has to be a crazy design change all the time. Intel's been doing this for years with their chips, and so has Apple. I don't know. That's my rant. 
Salty Jordan, I think you made everyone do some inner, like some introspection during that call. I, I, you know, I've joked on this podcast plenty of times. Apple is one of the few companies where I've seen people literally get mad because they didn't give them something to buy. Um, your whole point about they should always give us the fastest processor when it's ready. That's what happened back in the day uh, during the PowerBook and the earlier MacBook Pro era where you'd see an upgrade actually every six months. Well, now that Apple's controlling its own silicon, they can dictate the timetables. But you know, for people that are upset that you can't buy a new thing, you should just you just just relax a little bit. Like I know we all love the new shiny fancy toys and you know, I've always tried to be steadfast and say, hey, if this doesn't make sense for me, I'm not going to buy it. And I've done that on multiple occasions in my reviews. Whereas I think the general trend is that a lot of people in the YouTube space, because they can expense it for work, because they they want to have the newest thing, most people don't change their phone, their laptop, their tablet, or their watch every year. Like, I would argue 95 percent of the user base does not yet there's this real vocal group that's like if you don't if you don't even change the physical design it's crap if you don't change how it looks it is crap so i think it's it's there's some great points in there like let's just let's just relax slow your roll it's okay and quite honestly i don't want to spend more money every year i don't know about you all but no, I don't need to. Like the Apple Watch Series 4, okay, maybe Series 5 because it has always on, but I could still be fine with the Apple Watch Series 4 today, quite honestly. No joke. But but I did get a 7. And people are still waiting for my Apple Watch Ultra review, which is coming. But I've been traveling a lot, so just bear with me. Okay, next up, we've got a call from a man Josh, you're up. Hey, Brian, this is Josh K from Ambler, Pennsylvania. This iPad release and iPad lineup, what a mess. Um, actually, I'm really excited about it because what it does is it tells me everything I need to know about March or April of 2024. We're going to get a redesigned iPad Pro that has the camera and FaceTime set up in the landscape orientation. Um, we'll get a new keyboard with uh, function keys. Um, you know, look, the, the M2 processor, the pencil hover thing, the Bluetooth 5.3, um, and the Wi-Fi 6E, I had an iPad mini. And I thought to myself, well, I'm waiting for the iPad Pro updates to get a larger screen iPad, basically for watching movies. I was hoping that the 11-inch would have a mini LED display, which I think it's criminal that they didn't change that. Um, but what I did is I bought, uh, a couple days after they announced the new M2 iPad Pros, I bought an M1 iPad Pro from 2021 on Amazon for $200 off. So... You know, also this entry-level iPad that's now $450 that you have to use a cord to connect the original Apple Pencil that doesn't have a laminated display but does have the camera landscape. The, the whole thing is maddening. I think Tim Cook is just trying to get rid of parts and make money off of them, and then hopefully they'll streamline this whole thing in the spring of 2024. I'm curious about your thoughts. As always, love your content. Talk to you later. So, Josh, I'm guessing, I think you're talking about spring of 2023, unless my years are wrong. But uh, this is a mishmash. I called it a Frankenstein product. Uh, it is a Frankenstein. And we know the Tim Cook special of the day is to give us as many models as possible. And previously, before you, Salty Jordan, um, you know, talked about psychology of buyers. Look, I think most buyers... Go and I talked about this in the podcast before. Most buyers go into a store and they have a, a, a dollar amount that they're willing to spend or they go in psychologically thinking they're going to spend. And yeah, you might end up buying the more expensive, fancier model. But when you come into an Apple store and say, I, I'm, gonna, I'm looking for a new iPad and I'm willing to spend $600 on it, you're going to find out which iPad is at that $600, which iPhone is at that price. And Tim Cook, to his credit, this strategy has worked for him. It has worked for Apple investors. Apple is the most profitable it has ever been. 
And so even if we don't like it, even if we say we should get a streamlined product line, uh, consumer behavior has shown that this strategy of products at every level, at any price works. And in some cases, you sometimes feel like the the Apple product lines are sometimes more dictated on price than they are just making the best model possible. And that used to be the case when we only had basically a consumer model and a pro model back in the SJ era. But the Tim Cook era of every product at every price possible with a differentiation around a $100 to $200, it's worked for him and it's worked for Apple. And whatever uh, features we have to put in here, whether people care or not, that's what we're going to do to meet that price. And that's just you know one of the differences in the different regimes of Apple. But I mean, depends on what's important to you. They're the most profitable than they have ever been. So yes, I've said it before. This sounds like a Tim Cook special, and it is, and it works. All right, we talked about early in the show about the Apple TV services and their pricing. We had this call that is still relevant from our friend Mark, so let's hear what he has to say. Hey, Brian, it's Mark from Portland. I have a guess as to what price the Apple TV Plus plan with ads is going to be. I think they're going to incorporate ads into the existing $4.99 tier. I don't think you'll be able to avoid ads on Apple TV content. And if you are able to avoid ads, I think they'd bundle it with Apple One Premiere for $30 a month. Now, Apple's justification for this would be that their plan for $4.99 undercuts everybody else. It undercuts Netflix, Basic with Ads, it undercuts Disney+, and they're bringing you this original content they're very proud of. And again, because we see ads in News Plus and in Stocks, I don't think even the Apple One Premiere plan is going to save us from the ads. I think they're going to be ever-present. As soon as Apple starts, they're never going to stop. That is, unless they're too annoying and users complain. All right, that's all for me. Thanks very much. Okay, so Mark, I think you might have actually gotten some of this right to a certain degree because... You know, Apple did just increase their prices, but I think because of that, it actually gave them room to now this rumored report of them doing an ad-supported version of some of their services. I think by bumping up Apple TV Plus to six ninety nine, now it allows them to charge four ninety nine for the ad-based version of Apple TV Plus. I don't think that they'll make a full-on Apple One Premiere version. With ads, I could be wrong though, because um, then that would make that would have them create a tier where it's like Premiere is twenty nine ninety five with ads and thirty two ninety five without ads. If they did that across there, there's basically three tiers of the Apple One plan: the individual, the family, and the Premiere. If they did that for every plan, it would just come. Now we'd be looking at six plans. But I think from a standalone perspective, just from Apple TV Plus um, being ad supported on its own for 499 now. I think that Apple kind of could potentially have set that up by increasing the prices, but I think your logic makes sense and it's fun. Um but now that we've seen the pricing, I I don't you weren't you weren't completely off there, Mark. You you're you're pretty much on you're you're thinking the right direction, you're on the spot. So, thanks for calling in. I I I like we got a we got an Apple TV call, TV Plus call. How often does that happen? Okay, next up, we've got two calls here from Mike and Kevin talking about, uh, you know, USB-C coming to the iPhone. What about USB-A? Hey, Brian. Mike calling in or voice memoing in from Mililani, Hawaii. Hey, quick note on your review show. You talked about um, the USB-C cables and they are on a lot of products. But also, you talked about uh, your mom and dad having the USB-A charger still. All those people that have a cable and a phone, unless they've upgraded their cars recently, most cars for the last, I don't know, five, six years or more have had USB-A. And folks don't trade cars in as often, and certainly a bigger purchase than just a charging brick. So it's going to be interesting to see what the market is for USB-A 
to USB-C cables once the new iPhones come out. Not too big initially, and not everyone will trade up, and maybe all those folks will have new cars. But just an interesting little side note. Thanks. Uh, I'm one of your original Patreons, and I love listening to your shows. Keep it up. Bye. Hey, aloha, Mike. Thank you so much for that. Um, I'm actually going to be in Hawaii on a break uh, sometime in early December. I, I will obviously not reveal the exact dates of where my whereabouts are because that would be stupid. But uh, maybe I'll see you out there at the outlets. <laughs> okay, if you know, you know. But uh, honestly, when I'm out in Hawaii, I'm either surfing or I'm eating and I'm sleeping or I'm surfing and I'm eating and I'm sleeping. And I don't bring my phone around. I just... I do for photos. I just I don't use it. I just post my pictures after I'm gun- done for the week because, woo, it's nice to completely unwire. But uh, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. And I think our next call, Kevin, kind of talks about that as well. But uh, Mike, thanks so much for the support. I appreciate it so much. And to everyone who continues to support this show and my content, uh, I cannot be more than grateful. But let, uh, let's get back to the voicemails. All right, here's Kevin. Hey, Brian. So this is Kevin here from Columbia, Maryland. And I recently this year bought a 2022 vehicle. And this vehicle has CarPlay. The issue I'm running into with the whole, well, possibly running into with the whole uh, EU situation is my car has wired CarPlay with USB-A. Do you think Apple will make an adapter for everyone that has wired CarPlay that uses USB-C to USB-A? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. And have a great day, Brian. You're so awesome. Man, Kevin, you are awesome, my friend. You are awesome for calling in the show. So just to let you know, actually, everybody, so we know in a car... the port is a USB-A port, so you get a USB-A male connector, and then that goes to a lightning connector into your phone. Now, I'm not saying that there's going to be all of a sudden like a USB-A to male-to-male cable uh, demand, much like what Mike was talking about, like, oh, what will these USB-A to USB-C cables demand look like? Because Apple themselves right now sells a USB-C to USB-A adapter where the USB-C connector is a male and the USB-A adapter, just a little dongle, is female. That's $19. You can actually buy it. I think I think I saw it on Best Buy's website. Um, so they do have adapters to help with that chain, but that would also require a USB-A to USB-A male-to-male cable that would potentially allow that chain to happen. I think either way... There's going to be a lot of adapter mess, and I just don't. I don't see Apple investing their own resources in making a dedicated USB-A mail to USB-C mail cable for iPhones to connect to CarPlay. And I think it's going to be one of those situations where there's probably going to be a lot of people who are going to have to do this mishmash of a dongle adapter to a cable, and then it should work, but. I don't think Apple's going to step in to make it easier for those cars. And yes, um, like Mike said earlier on the previous call, we 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 don't update our upgrade our cars every two, three, five, seven years. Most no, no way, it just doesn't happen. I've had my car since two thousand and nine, and I still use a physical. I kid you not. I have a, a Lightning to headphone jack adapter and then I do the male to male physical audio cable cuz it's a 370z I love it and bluetooth audio never sounds as good it just doesn't it just doesn't I need the physical connection I'm sorry I'm old school like that but um there you go so we'll see what happens with the whole USB-C transition I mean it's most likely happening next year and we'll just have to wait and see what happens All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much to all of you who called in. We got to give a big shout out to our Platinum Apple supporters. That's at the $100 Platinum Apple level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, Michael Gigliotti, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you so much for all of your support, and thank you to all of you who continue to support the show at every level. I said thanks earlier in the voicemails, um, but... I love also hearing from the Patreon supporters and 
uh, remember, we do that monthly live stream where we've really been able to build this cool community and have gotten to know so many of you. I mean, it, it's something that I look forward to. And um, I'm looking forward to doing another stream, not next week because I'll be out of town at a tech conference, but the week after that. So, hey, keep it keep it going. Thank you so much. Patreon.com slash Brian Tongue is how you support the show. And for everyone listening, we will be back same bat time, same bat channel. Basically, you know, Friday, Saturday. The podcast keeps on rolling every week. Thanks again, everybody. Take care, and we will talk to you soon. Oh, oh, I almost forgot. Um, I will be making a trip back to Cupertino in a few days, and I think I need some of your help. So uh, if you're in the Patreon, check it out because I have some questions that I need you to help me ask maybe someone that I might be seeing in Cupertino, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. Yeah, you know what I mean. All right, take care, everybody. Be safe. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.